Episode 8 of Season 2 of the Men Up Podcast coming up next. And this is the third and final installment in a series on accountability here in Season 2. So you might be asking yourself, why has the Men Up Pod crew focused so much on accountability? Well, I think that this week is a great example of why. So you might have seen the guilty verdicts come through for the Derek Chauvin murder trial of George Floyd. And there's this refrain, this idea that accountability is not equal to justice. They are not the same things. In fact, accountability is a step towards justice. Now, you might have heard this refrain from folks online on social media or on TV and news reports. For me, I heard it first from Keith Ellison, the Minnesota Attorney General. Regardless where you heard it, I think that it is an idea that can propel all of us forward to take the kind of necessary actions in our families, in our communities, and in this society. Because if we are going to get to the kind of prosperity, the kind of peace that all of us want to see, we're going to have to first get to a place where we have a whole bunch of justice. And before that, we're going to have to get to a place where we have a whole lot of accountability of the injustices that are happening today and that have happened in our past. And if we're going to have that kind of accountability for ourselves, for each other, we got to know what accountability means, what it looks like, and how we hold each other to it. Let's keep taking those steps, y'all. And welcome to the Men Up Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Christian Shabu. Will Van Dyke. Marwamba, what up, though? What up, though? And you can tell that Drew is not with us for this episode. He's on a little bit of a break, but he will be back shortly. But thank you all for joining us this week and every week as we dig into culture, current events, and our own events. And as we redefine manhood and masculinity so that we, however you identify, can all thrive. All right, if you've been with us for all of season two, you know that we like to start off with something that we call the starting lineup. It is a question picked at random where it's meant for us to get to know each other a little bit better, also meant for you all to get to know us better, and maybe even for yourself to connect with something that's in your past or in your present to really reflect powerfully. So this week's starting lineup question, I am picking it, and it is this. Who is somebody you get advice from and accept advice from? Lamar. I'm going to go over to you to start us off. Just had to come, come this way first, didn't you? I had to. I saw it on your face. Somebody that I think about uh, when, I, when, I, um, need, when I feel like I need to learn something or get some perspective, uh, our form, well, my former boss, I should say, uh, Eleanor, is somebody that I look to in professional and personal situations to like just give some perspective. Um, it's not like I would always call her up directly, um, but like I know that um, if there's something that I'm struggling with that she'd be a good person to kind of bounce it off. Uh, but other than that, generally I feel like the way I learn or take advice is by living through situations, watching them play out and then reflecting on them and making sure that I do something different the next time um, is a lot of the time of how I like take advice is saying like, oh, this didn't work out or, you know, somebody did something. I watched that happen and, I, and now I know for next time, like, oh, I better make this adjustment 
so that it's better for me going through this situation uh, with someone else. So that's kind of most of the time how I take advice. Yeah, the immediate answer that I had uh, after hearing this was, I, I think this group has been uh, pivotal and sort of accepting advice from peers. Uh, I, I think I, I look at all of you guys as, as uh, people, you know, certainly worthy of, of giving advice. And, uh, and I find myself uh, accepting advice from you guys, I think a lot more freely than I do maybe some other folks. And, you know, partic particularly with Lamar and Drew, like the, our relationship is relatively young. And so to, to have that level of trust in you guys has, has been, uh, I would describe it as surprising for my nature because I don't take advice easy. I don't think I don't, I'm not one who is receptive. I was joking before we hit record here that uh, I've, I've dug into at, at, like astrological signs and stuff and, and some of, and I, and I looked it up. So I, I made sure I was educated here with my response, but some of the weaknesses of a Leo myself, which is like arrogance, stubbornness, and inability to accept criticism are like three of the four biggest weaknesses. And I think that I uh, have all three of those um, in spades. So uh, it's, it's been a challenge, I would say, uh, to accept advice from a lot of people. You know, for me, somebody that I continue to get advice from, and it's been a little bit more recent, is uh, a gentleman that was used to be the building leader, the principal at the school that I work at, Matt, uh, who has become a mentor over the last several years. But even before that, you know, he's somebody that I would take advice from, not just around work in a professional setting, but also just uh, as a man, right? And he's somebody who's a little bit older than me, uh, just has a lot of incredible experience. But more than that, it's just the way that he carries himself day in and day out, like the integrity he lives with, the, the empathy and compassion that he exudes and practices all the time. I think that's an important piece for me is seeing that person, whoever I'm getting advice from, living into their own advice, right? But leading by example, right? And I think the, the other part of this question that's uh, really interesting to me is there's one it's one thing to get advice right I, I think that there are plenty of people that like you know I'll be open to just hearing their words right like oh what do you think about this right but then there's a second level which is like actually accepting it and what I've had to learn at least about myself is that like I need a little bit of time to actually accept advice right like there's like hearing it right and then maybe like I'll respond in some sort of certain way that's maybe a little bit emotional perhaps sometimes dismissive but then like over a couple hours, or even a day, like as I start to think about it, it's like, oh, that's actually really good advice, right? And so that, like, that's a thing that I know that I've had to like, sort of like train myself to remember as I'm getting advice is like, I might respond in a really emotional way at the outset of advice, but then give some time to process and we'll actually like take that advice well. Similarly, like in accountability as well, right? Like yeah. it's very similar reactions that people give to be given advice that maybe they didn't necessarily ask for, but also maybe advice that they know is the right advice, but they actually don't want to do, or they're not ready to do yet. And, uh, and accountability is the same way. It's kind of like similar reactions. So that's, that's interesting. Definitely. And it, and it gets us right into our big conversation game time here for us. We are in the midst of a three part episode series, all about accountability. And so, Will, I want to kick it over to you to really get us into our final installment here of accountability today. So what you got for us? But let me try to boil this down. Just one, cancel culture is bullshit. It's just a, it's just a term, a blanket term, umbrella term that is used to like try to deflect 
levels of accountability for people in the public eye. That's that is that is what that term was designed to do. It's not a term that people who are trying to hold public figures accountable subscribe to, at least in my opinion. I don't I don't think that that's true. So maybe you guys have thoughts on that particular piece. But the other piece of this that I wanted to make sure that I articulated was the second chance aspect of this. For those who are held accountable to a degree, is there a, a re-entry to, to society that we're accepting of people who have rightfully been held accountable? Or are we saying, you never got held accountable, you don't get that second chance yet because you never accepted the level of accountability for your actions or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Shabu, you, you again, maybe it's just your face, always looking engaged and, and thought provoking. You got a face, you got a face, kid. You got that face, you got that face for, for, for contemplation. You know, yeah. Will, you, you brought up the example, right, of Andrew Cuomo right now. And, mm -hmm. and we like to focus on current events here from time to time. Obviously, this is a current event, right? Like, particularly, uh, not, just, not just the fact that Andrew Cuomo uh, is being held accountable for uh, acts of sexual misconduct uh, that have been alleged against him, numerous that continue to come out. Uh, also, the way in which uh, his his team, his administration has handled, based with his leadership, like handled the pandemic and some of the things that they didn't tell the public or skewed, right? So there are multiple things that are being held accountable for that I think we wanna be clear that those are separate things, right? Not, like those, those are separate things to be held accountable for, right? But, it, but so I think that there's a couple levels to that for me. One is that, for my opinion, Andrew Cuomo has to be held accountable for those things, right? And And, and some of that public accountability, there's on one end, us as the as citizens, as society saying like, this is wrong, this is unacceptable. There's that end of that. The second piece to it is whoever that person is, like actually apologizing, owning what they've done, right? And I think that that's a place that a lot of times, like we don't see the full accountability on, right? Like there's, there's sort of a, either a half-hearted or a very superficial apology or acknowledgement. We can get into like, what are all those like, verbal sort of tricks that people play to like make it sound like they're apologizing but they're not really particularly people that are in the public eye but then the final part is i think we miss a really big opportunity as society as as people as individuals that when we don't look at well like what's the system in place that allowed for something like andrew cuomo to happen and to happen over years right the 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 sexual misconduct that has been reported on him has happened over years and it has only been in the last few months that it has come to light why why has it taken that long or like why was there so much silence or why did people not feel like they could speak out like those are things that we need to examine i think we have from time to time but we need to do a lot better as as a society you know when i think about cuomo i think about you know some of the other examples that we've talked about you know, it always makes me wonder, like, with politicians in particular, do people have to resign after they go through, you know, something like that? Like, does being held accountable now mean, like, you cannot work anymore? You know what I mean? And, and I don't know, like, I think about it in equivalency to, like, if you go to jail and you're a felon, your life is pretty much taken away from you for the rest of your life, right? And these are, like, normal, average citizens. Uh, typically, probably black and brown people that kind of get stripped 
uh, of their livelihood. Um, and you know, that's another conversation to have. And we know people that have gone through that, experienced that. But somebody that's empowered, the reason it's so important to hold them accountable is because typically what happens is they do get held to, to, to the fire in a public sphere, public moment, but then it goes away when the people take their eyes off the ball or when the media stops talking about it, right? So then they go back to just doing and being who they were. And I think to what you were talking about, Shabu, the reason that it goes away is because there isn't a, a underlying acceptance of people in power do shit and they can get away with it. It's just, and people want that for themselves in a way, you know what I mean? And I think going to what you were saying, well, at the beginning about the average citizen is that the average citizen, and I think one of the notes I put in, in our episode log was, you know, I'm glad I'm not famous myself because I know that I have said things and I have probably done things that would be highly criticized and that would probably not go well in the public sphere. And I, in some ways, am a public figure, right? But it would not go well. And so the normal citizen doesn't want any parts of that. And so in, in ways, like, they're thankful, even though they kind of want, they want to be able to continue to do what they do and not be able to, not be held to account. And that's why I think your small groups and the people you put yourself around is so important because they have to be the ones now to hold you accountable for what you say and what you do. And I think we can, we have to continue to do that with our, our politicians and our people that are in power. So I kind of went all over the board there, but that's kind of where my thoughts are. The lack of, of a process to hold these type of individuals accountable, right? And there is a fear mechanism that was based into these people hold power so they can then dictate the they can be the judge jury and executioner for a lack of a better term of their own sort of you know actions because of the the level of power that they have so it in in shabu you hit on that because a lot of it is the masculinity part these are all you know a lot of predominantly 90 you know i won't put data on it because i don't know it whatever but it's so proportionally male that it is a clear systemic masculinity problem that people are are scared of powerful men to speak up or have been I, I, I let me let me actually correct that statement because we probably have been it's the harvey weinstein dilemma right there was a clip that i saw pass around just on social media recently where a, a comedian a female comedian uh got up after all of his allegations started coming up and um, I think it was uh, one comedian was talking about how uh, they were in this club. And if she was in that club, she wouldn't have said anything. But this other comedian did like came out and was like, I'm a comedian. I have to address this elephant in the room and just say it out loud. Like there's a predator here. Like he's in, a, you know, he is in the room. What are we doing? Why? Why are we not? Why are we letting this happen? Is he really he hasn't been held accountable yet, essentially. Right. Because he hadn't yet. And so it all had been allegations. So like, don't put, don't take your foot off the gas either on some of these more prominent people, because that's how the system gets built of, of actual accountability is you have to keep going until there's actual change. And you can't just say like, I, uh, you know, I alleged you, I alleged you, and then let that only be the, the only thing. Right. So uh, I, I'm, so, so I wanted to address that systemic thing and that systemic masculinity problem. You were setting this up, Will, and, and Lamar, you got to a little bit too, is this idea of like, if you're in the public eye, like th there's more scrutiny on you conceivably, like it, there should be, right? And, and I wonder like, 
how does something like, you know, just, just how omnipresent, how so much of our life is now on social media, like all of us are in the public eye, right? Like, and, and like, what does that, like, it, it, does that muddy the waters a little bit about how we think about accountability and like, who's being held accountable? Like, I just wonder that, like, because, because if all of us are, are in the public eye in some extent, right, and, and we're putting things out there, like, what does that mean for how we're holding people accountable? Is it more about like people's power, right? Like the, the thing I keep coming back to, and this is one of the things that we've chatted about in the, in our, in our group text is like, something like, you know, Paul Pierce, right? Like, and, and certainly not at the same level of how other, other people who have power and have used it um, negatively or things like that. I mean, Paul Pierce is a former uh, NBA player with the Boston Celtics with other teams, uh, is a, a commentator, was a commentator on ESPN, got fired for posting some videos of himself, like in an intoxicated state uh, with some i'm just looking at lamar's face the whole time like me describing this is hilarious yeah, yeah uh, but, strippers there there was <laughs> yeah so he was intoxicated he had strippers right and and like as a result like lost his job right now does paul pierce have a lot of like power and influence maybe like i don't know like but but i just wonder like you know he's held accountable because of like all of us being in the public eye like he posted something yeah. And like, because he's in, because all of us are in the public eye on a platform now, he lost his job. But also too, like his actions now, granted, I don't know what the things that came out publicly about all of that are seemingly all legal, all legal actions to a certain extent, but it is an image for which the company that he worked for found unacceptable. And, and that's the part too, where there's like layers of like, if you're a governor, what's the level of acceptability in your workplace? Like, what is the image level? Because the only people in those positions necessarily are the people who have essentially elected you into those positions, right? Like Louis CK, going back to his, his, his whole thing, like people stopped booking him and stopped. But like, if he had his brothers, he would just keep doing it because he was his own boss, essentially. He was he was owning his own production company. He was booking, doing his own show. He was directing all this stuff. He was pulling all the strings. And so like, who was going to hold him accountable in those particular situations? So you sort of have this like balance too of like, I guess, you know, you might, you, you, whatever you're doing is, is your, it's image, but it's also like, what is the system that you're essentially uh, putting yourself into by putting yourself out there, right? If it's the public sphere, that's one thing. If it's the corporate HR sphere, that's another thing. Um, but but are they are they sort of meshing a little bit? Maybe now I don't know. I, well, you said it. This is and this is the this is the problem. Image is everything because going back to the conversation about the 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 normal citizen, like when I think about that Paul Pierce situation, I'm like Paul Pierce, like you just got to know better. Right. But it's, it's tough, right? It's like you, you would see Paul Pierce on TV and be like, Oh, like Paul Pierce, nice guy. You see Paul Pierce while now to me, I look at Paul Pierce. I'm like, my, like, yo, he was clearly blasted. Like he was high, right? He was high as fuck. And he was doing his thing. They have strippers there. They're playing, they're gambling, poker, like whatever. If that's how you have a good time, that's how you have a good time now. But where do you draw the line? Can't, is he not allowed to show that? You know what I mean? Is he not allowed to show that because ESPN doesn't want 
to kind of come off that way. But also, how many other people at ESPN have done that? How many other people at ESPN have been in that room, but because they didn't post it, they're not being held accountable the way that he's being held accountable? You know what I mean? And even for me, like, I don't think you did anything wrong. And I think about just the, the it's all about image. And like somebody like Cuomo, for example, right now, it's also a weird thing when you're in power in the workplace, going back to the HR uh, side of this, people meet at work all the time in date at work. But if you're in leadership, now you can't, how does that work? You know what I mean? So there's so many weird little dynamics and different things that happen. That's like people want to look good, but the reality is that like people say inappropriate things, people probably cross the line. And I think, I think, where the the difference between the old school and the new school is is that there was never a very clear line about what is acceptable and what isn't and i think we're starting to decide what that line is and i think what cuomo may have thought was appropriate five six seven or three years ago or 15 20 years ago is just not now and so we're just reestablishing what that line is particularly from men in power and they're being checked and it's great. Like it's a good thing, but even for myself, that sounds like I'm giving men a pass. Like I'm not, I want to be held accountable and I want men to be held accountable, but reality, like things just change. And so it's just like, it's just different now. How far do we go in that, you know, in, in defining what the past looks like? Some people are getting, you know, essentially uh, held accountable for actions as teenagers and those sort of things old tweets is crushed right and so so that so that so i think you hit on a good point but i i think some of this then too is is to my second point of like okay how does this how does the second chance look it when you either have properly assessed the level of accountability or improperly assessed the level of accountability like when you're just like what is going to happen you know with people who are not being held accountable essentially like how does that how does that actually get manifested as a reintroduction to society if 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 collectively we don't feel like there's a level of accountability being held connected for a moment here to the paul pierce incident like the thing that i see as like problematic beyond the fact that like he has to answer to like his employer right and he's putting stuff out in the public sphere is that like he videoed people that didn't consent to it. At least we we don't know that they consented or not, right? And so like, that's the problem, right? And so that's a thing that I, if I think about like, what are things that we can do tangibly with, whether it's young people or just in our own communities is like, there's a lot of conversation awareness that we need to bring to the idea that like, listen, we have, we have video, we have photo more accessible than ever before. And uh, there is a responsibility and an accountability around that and, and, and who you include in your photos, your videos, in what situations, all that kind of stuff, right? So, so I, I want to just identify that. I think to your question, Will, of like with second chances, at least from my perspective, like in order for somebody who has been correctly accounted for, right, by public or the people that they are primarily accountable to, they've got to own whatever the mistake is or the thing that they did. They actually have to own it, right? And, and I think that that's where a lot of the problem goes. Like we, we've mentioned several times, like the, the example of Louis, C, of Louis C.K. back, you know, that was like six, seven years ago at this point, right? But, you know, he was held accountable for a number of weeks, maybe even a couple of months publicly before like he made a statement. Statement was like lukewarm at best, didn't fully take accountability came back 10 months later and although didn't have the kind of fame that you know he had at that point before 
you know, the, the sexual misconduct allegations came out, like we're still booking shows. We're still selling out crowds, right? Like we're still performing his routines, right? So like never really owned what he did, right? Never really showed that uh, he was taking on new and different actions and then just kept doing what he was doing, right? So, so does, that, does that deserve a second chance? Like from my perspective, no. If you're not gonna own what you've done sure. and show that you like are changing your ways and doing something more productive, you're not warranted a second chance. You know, Mother's Day is just around the corner. And while flowers and framed pictures are great, yes, these are my go-tos for Mother's Day gifts, but after the year we've all had, this Mother's Day, I'm going with something sweeter, chip in a bottle. Whether it's award-winning truffles, delectable macarons, or maybe even a made-to-order treat, chip in a bottle is the move to make this Mother's Day the sweetest yet, which our mothers and motherly figures definitely deserve. Visit chipinabottle.com to place your order for Mother's Day or any special day today. Chip in a Bottle is the new taste in chocolate and the official sponsor of season two of the Men Up podcast. A lot of it is by actions. A lot of it is by, you know, uh, being uh, an advocate for uh, better behavior, for more accountability, being, you know, putting ourselves out there as, as saying that this is a relevant conversation. I mean, the reason why we did three episodes of this too is because like we have to complete the process. We have to start with ourselves. We have to make sure that we're holding each other accountable. Then we have to make sure that the system finishes the job in some cases where there's true accountability. I, you know, we're, we're like, that is essentially the arc that we're trying to get through of this conversation and making sure that we're walking the walk and talking the talk from a public perspective. The term that we started this episode with this cancel cultural term might be the thing that sort of undoes or, or, or slows down the finishing of the job of public accountability, because it's, it's, it's a term that is being so misused in terms of actual legitimate you know accountability that needs to take place i worry that you know just the fact that that term exists and people can just who are uh, alleged or accused of something can just say the woke mob is coming this is con culture cancel culture run amok but 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 like they have the talking points already built out i, th I think that you know, I think cancel culture are very similar to like a lot of things in our culture uh, over the last few years that social media has really taken over, uh, given everyone the space to have an opinion. It's like it's like it's it's poppy. It's bubblegum. It's like the easy thing to latch onto. And to be honest, the people that are anti cancel culture, guess what? They're also canceling culture as well. Right. So to give you an example, if we're talking about, uh, you know, who are the people that hate cancel culture the most? These are people that have either like that feel like they've done something wrong in the, in the normal citizens done something wrong and they don't like it because they know that people mess up and they're like, okay, like people deserve a second shot. And I, I also believe in that. The other big group of people that don't like cancel culture are like the people that supported Trump and thought that we were trying to like that progressives are trying to cancel everything that's conservative or Republican or whatever it is. But those people are also canceling culture, right? Like, so Trump lost the election. What did they do? 
canceled Fox and went to somebody else. They went to another news outlet. So that's a bunch of bullshit. First of all, like, I don't want to hear it about cancel culture, this PC, that like everyone does it in their own way with who they want to and how they want to do it with. Um, so that's my first point to what you're talking about, Will, about around systemic change and, and what's making the difference. And one of the things I mentioned um, in my notes as I thought about this topic was movements, movements are coming from the cancel culture. Movements are coming from accountability. So what's what's happening on the back end, while people are like really talking about culture, cancel culture at the top on the surface, what's happening underneath is diversity, equity, and equality conversations, right? So these conversations are now being had in companies all over the country. And not that we're there yet, but putting people of power that are women, that are of color, that are of different backgrounds and ethnicities, that's the change because once once we have a diverse group of people in power, then you're gonna get diverse perspectives executing on the accountability, right? And I think that's what makes a difference that in our country, traditionally, who's in power? White dudes. And so white dudes make the law, they execute the law, they then have the power to avoid the law, right? And that's what's been happening. I just think that is slowly changing. It may take a while longer yet. That's so important, Lamar. And, 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 and one of the ways in which, too, like society as a whole is holding people accountable for something that they no longer should be held accountable. And this is the last point that I want to make on too. And, it, and it's part of my outlet pass as well is like, is, is marijuana and the war on drugs and, and, and what's happening now with, with laws where we're talking about expunging the records of people who no longer should be held accountable for minor offenses, predominantly minority communities impacted predominantly changing the level to which we can, you know, have everybody essentially reset and re-enter society without, with, with, with basically taking accountability for some stuff that they should never have had to, particularly now with the way that the laws work in a lot of states around the country, like having a, a, a tonal shift in all of that um, is, is, is strong at the very ground level for, for sort of where society needs to, course correct on what they've been holding regular private citizens accountable for in the past. You know, you think about we've spent three episodes talking about accountability, you know, and we've moved sort of from, you know, the individual to the communal to the societal. So as we're wrapping up this series on accountability, is there anything that we are taking away individually, each one of us, about how we want to approach accountability for ourselves, for the people around us and, and within our world. As we move out of this pandemic, as we move back into a world where we're gonna be a little bit more in society with one another, right? Like, is there anything that we're gonna take away in how we're gonna move differently, act differently, say differently? As we talk about toxic masculinity and, and being men in the environment that we have, have been and the privileges that we've been afforded as men, um, because we are included in that. Like, I don't want to try and separate our, us from other men. Like, we're better men than they are. Like, I, I definitely don't subscribe to that. Um, I think it's about progress over perfection. I think I said that in the, uh, the pep talk uh, last week is that just progress over perfection. You can't be perfect, but to be making sure that you're taking steps in the right direction consistently uh, is super, super important. Um, I also love the fact that men, are being held accountable and can no longer operate with unlimited restriction uh, on 
you know, how they speak to women, how they talk to women, how they interact with women, what they propose to women, how they raise their voice or don't raise their voice at women. Like, I love the accountability in that. And I'm also taking away some of those things in my own life and learning how to like make those adjustments. Um, and the last thing I'll say is like, it's an ongoing balance, even for me, because like, I think about that Paul Pierce situation and I'm just like, but I would go to a strip club. Like me personally, I would go. Right. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And so trying to figure out what is this line between like the image of being a good person and actually just doing things that are fun. Right. And so it's a constant battle for me uh, going over and either side of that line, trying to decide, like, is this like who I want to be? And this is like my my ultimate struggle is like I want to be like a great man and like hold people accountable and hold my friends accountable for being better but i also like doing shit that like most people would also be like hey like i don't know so it's like trying to figure out what that line is for me and just be myself fully and not offend anyone not um do anything inappropriate or make anyone feel uncomfortable you know we talked about how everything is image conscious everything is essentially public we put ourselves out there publicly on social media every day. We put ourselves out there with our thoughts on this podcast. We put ourselves out there a lot. And so some of that is a public, but we are making private decisions on our own where it's like, I expect some of that to remain private um, to a certain extent. And there's a level of, of acceptability to, as long as it's not illegal, like you are allowed to make public choices or private choices that, you know, not necessarily match your public image right and but making sure that those lines stay as clear as possible throughout the whole process and being accountable or at least a, a, a degree to which somebody in your inner circle is allowed to say hey you did this thing but i know because i'm your friend that it was a private action but like that wasn't okay so like you have to make sure that you're allowing yourself a level of private accountability to a certain extent with the people that are trust. We talked about it at the very the opening question, like the thing that's supposed to be sort of random actually dove into and, and maybe articulates the point again that I'm trying to make, which is like finding that that niche group of people who you accept advice from, who you can run a lot of stuff past and allow them in to the private moments too to to help you know, sort of set the lines and set the levels of accountability, you know, between your private and your personal or and your public life. I think for me, what this three part series has revealed is that, you know, when I when I think about keeping myself accountable and being accountable to other people, I'm pretty good there can always improve, of course, I think on a societal level, I'm certainly always willing to call people out on social media that I think are in leadership roles that like need to do better. And I think where a lot of the work for me, honestly, lies is within that that intermediary space in that middle space where it's about how am i holding the people in my community in my small groups how am i holding the men in my in my life and in my community accountable and i have a lot of work to do there right like that that is still something that feels really uncomfortable right even thinking about like and, and there's nothing that like i would say either from this episode or or throughout our process as a team like even thinking about the moments where it's like oh well if i had to hold our team accountable like what does that look like like that's where i would struggle a little bit like that's where i'd feel a little bit uneasy or, or feel a little bit anxious right and so i think there's a lot of work for me to do in figuring out like what are those 
what are those things that I'm saying or what does it look like when I have to hold somebody else that's in my direct community accountable? Because it's necessary, right? Like so much of this work here is like relational and it's how are we holding the people closest to us accountable. Gentlemen, thank you, not just for this episode, but really diving deep into three episodes around accountability. You know, as we've been putting out these episodes week by week, you know, I think some of the feedback that I've gotten is that folks really appreciate that we're digging into this because accountability is not an easy thing, right? Whether you are somebody that identifies as a man or, or not, right? Like the idea of like, how do we hold ourselves, our community and our society accountable? These are the kind of necessary conversations we all need to be having. So as we do every week, we want to make sure that we're sharing with y'all the things that are helping us to level up, the resources, the ideas, the people that are making us better, inspiring us to level up. This is called the Outlet Pass. Will, I am going to pass it over to you. What do you have for us this week? Yeah, so uh, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. There is a uh, uh, legislation that has passed the House back in November um, that is uh, set to be put in front of the Senate relatively soon. It's called the MORE Act. Uh, you can look it up as HR 3884, but essentially it uh, decriminalizes marijuana, uh, changes the language from marijuana to cannabis. Uh, it then also expunges the record of minor offenses on cannabis. This is not a, you know, uh, a full-fledged, you know, th there are levels of legality still within all of this, but for at least the, the minor crimes, which, you know, predominantly impact uh, minority communities and, and, and uh, really, put people just at such a disadvantage societally that uh, getting them back into society, getting those records expunged, getting a restart, getting, getting them back into the, into society is just such a huge and it would be profoundly impactful. Well, I love that, right? Something not just to inform, but really to advocate for and righting the wrongs of our past as a, as a country, as a society. That's really powerful. Thanks, Will. <laughs> Uh, for me, you know, going into this episode, we knew we were going to focus on uh, cancel culture. You've heard us mention it many times. And as I stepped back to think like, well, wait, well, like, what does cancel culture even mean? Like, I was really unclear on what it even meant. Uh, and also just unclear of like how we even came to this point where cancel culture is this like phrase we were using all the time. So two articles that really helped me to wrap my head around it and see this not just from a like political perspective, but, but think about it historically were uh, an essay in the New York Times by Ligeia Michan from a couple months ago from December 2020 called The Long and Tortured History of Cancel Culture. And then another article that came out a little bit earlier in 2020 uh, titled Why We Can't Stop Fighting About Cancel Culture by Aja Romano. Both articles, really powerful. Yes, presence the political landscape here, but, but really take a holistic view of where does this idea of cancel culture come from? Because it, it isn't just from the last five, 10 years, but like there is a history, a human history to this idea of scapegoat, scapegoating and things like that. Uh, that's really helpful to understand. All right, y'all. So as we come to an end of this episode, you know, every once in a while, uh, we like to take a moment to reflect and to identify the places where we've made mistakes or missteps, whether it is within an episode or just within our own lives. We think it's important to understand where we can be better, right? Where we can call something out and ultimately call ourselves in uh, to level up, to make progress and to be accountable. So we like to call that call your own fouls. And Will, I know that you have one that you want to offer. So what do you got? Before we started recording this, uh, this season, um, I had made a goal of promoting each of our episodes, and I failed at that goal. I'm, I'm way behind, and I was having a uh, – for the first 
time really since the pandemic my wife and i were on a date night last night and we were talking about you know some of her work uh that she does which is um some great stuff i can obviously call that out when when necessary but um uh but one of the things that she's been doing a lot is is helping companies set up social media you know scheduling and all this sort of thing and i think there's been two factors one is uh i don't love social media to begin with even though like my career is basically built on the platforms of social media that's gonna say um, literally that's part of your job yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> my job is to be an expert in social media but i don't personally do it like i'm just i am not big on it. It, it it i think it's not healthy for me necessarily but it was a goal that i did that i failed and one of the things though that came out of this uh conversation with my wife was that you know she has this sort of like template that can help just sort of do it on behalf of whatever so like it's like a set it it's not like a set it and forget it but it's essentially set it and then it'll do the thing for you so i'm re introducing like the rest of my goal to catch up to get us you know get myself right on on what my goal was for the rest of the year but but i think i I've, I've clearly fallen short on a lot of that and i know that um you know I, it, it can help us, you know, become more impactful. And it's, and it's been something that I've fallen, fallen off on. So one is an apology to the, to you guys. One is, or second is, a, you know, obviously holding myself accountable. And three is because I can't do any of those two things without coming back with a solution is I think I got the solution. We'll work on it get it done. Yeah. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. All right, y'all. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you leave with a level up and that you will join us again and help spread the good word so that we can all redefine and thrive. We appreciate y'all. The Men Up Podcast is a Grin and Bear production. The soundtrack is courtesy of Mike McGinley Music and visual artwork by Viotti Design Studio. Video clips from each episode are edited by Joe Oliveri. The executive producer and editor on the Men Up Podcast is me, Christian Shabu. You can listen to us every week on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts or by visiting themenup.com.